We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So I, I, I'm going to begin with the question like I often do. How many of you guys had a banner week this week? Like a good week. If you, if, you are, if you don't know what a banner week is, it was like an excellent week. It was a 10 out of 10 week. Okay, okay, okay. Let me ask another question. So how many of y'all had such a banner week that you were 100%, you knocked it out of the park this week, you did so good, you didn't cuss, you didn't lie, you didn't cheat, you didn't do anything wrong, you didn't lose your temper? Oh, it's getting quiet now. You didn't cheat on your diet. You didn't yell at your kids. Hello, mamas and daddies in here. You didn't take that second look when you shouldn't have looked when she walked by. Didn't look at porn. It was a perfect week. How many in here? This week, have lived free from sin. Any hands up? Boy, you lying. I know you, my son. I know you. <laughs> I know that's a lie. You just fell. If you, if you were perfect all week, Isaiah, you just fell today. Because you just lying. But it just messed your whole week up. The whole trajectory. Listen, guys. Scripture says something that is that I think sometimes we forget to look at. It says there's no temptation that has befallen you. There's no temptation that you've ever encountered that is not common to other people. So feel free right now. That thing that you struggle with, there's like a 100 other people struggling with the same thing, if not a million other people. Uh, That thing that you did this week that you're feeling like, oh my gosh, it was only me? There's a million other people going through the exact same thing and struggling through the exact same thing. And oftentimes when those temptations come, it's like, I want to do right, but I keep being tempted to do wrong. And so the first song of our summer playlist is this song. It's a familiar song. We're going to play a little bit of the video. Jose, we got a little bit of the video. Some of you guys are going to know exactly what song this is. Some of y'all are going to get mad at me for playing this video in church. It's part of a sermon illustration. Okay? So forgive me. All right, let's go ahead and give it to him. My mind's telling me no. But my body... My body's telling me yes, baby, I don't want to hurt nobody, but there is something that I must confess to you. I don't see nothing wrong. Cut it there. 
She was like, cut, right now. You taking me back to 95, okay? My kids don't know that part of me yet. Here, here, here's the deal. So R. Kelly opens up the song with, my mind is telling me no, but my body is telling me yes. And then he says, listen, I, I, there's one thing that I must confess. I don't see nothing wrong with the little bumping grind. And the reason I say, some of y'all going to get mad at me about that, is uh, here's the real, real deal. I used to rock with R. Kelly. How many of you used to rock with R. Kelly? Come on, just go ahead and admit it. Go ahead and admit it. Dana Vanderpool? Let me find out. Hey. See, but after I discovered more about his sordid past, I canceled R. Kelly. I quit listening to him. I don't want none of his music all around me. I'm like, you know what? R. Kelly is canceled. I can't listen to him. I didn't play his music. And, and you know, I, I was having this conversation with a couple of people at lunch this, uh, this week, and I was telling them about this, this series that we're in and how I was going to preach this message. And then I told them, I said, I believe that I'm going to use Bump and Grind. Don't ever go back and listen to the rest of that song. Just save yourself. Save yourself. Um, but I was like, but I've canceled R. Kelly. I don't listen to R. Kelly. And there are some diehard R. Kelly fans till this day. They were like, listen, R. Kelly didn't do anything. Robert Kelly did, though. <laughs> They're like, when he was doing it, it was Robert Kelly. I've never met Robert Kelly before, but R. Kelly's a good dude. People still trying to defend R. Kelly. Because why? Because he's a musical genius. Like, let's just give credit to where credit is due. R. Kelly is a musical genius, has produced some of the greatest songs for some of the greatest artists that you still listen to. A song that you're listening to, whether it's rock and roll, whether it's pop, whether it's gospel, you're like, man, I love this song. R. Kelly could have wrote it and produced it. He's talented, one of the most, most talented musicians. He's worked with everyone from Lady Gaga to Marvin Sapp. For all the gospel people in here. I mean, R. Kelly was loved by everyone, Christians and non-Christians. R. Kelly was one of those legends in the music industry that you're just like, man, this guy is going to go down in history as one of the greatest artists, performers, writers, producers ever. And the crazy thing is uh, we're sitting in the back, and I was talking a little bit about the message and it talks about the gospel album that R. Kelly produced. And uh, Dustin was like, R. Kelly produced a gospel album? It was probably one of the best gospel albums out there. And the reason why this gospel album was so good is because R. Kelly bled all over his gospel album. If we would have been listening to R. Kelly, he was telling us exactly what was going on in his life. He was literally letting us know that I've got issues, I'm in pain, I'm struggling. It was one of the most transparent, vulnerable gospel albums ever. But now, R. Kelly is sitting in prison, facing 30 years plus. Just got convicted on racketeering charges in New York, and now is being extradited back to Chicago to go face 
more and more and more charges that are probably going to put him in prison for the rest of his life. He will never see the light of day ever again. There is no getting out of this one. Why in the world would somebody so talented, why in the world would somebody with so much resources, why, why would somebody who has literally garnered the entire world's attention, he could go anywhere and do anything and accomplish whatever he wants. Somebody who seemingly was so connected to God, so connected to his faith, end up in the current situation that he's in. Anybody want to take a wild guess? Well, I'll tell you. He's human. Didn't expect that one. He's human. Why is R. Kelly in the situation he's in? Because he's human. The human condition, y'all, is jacked up. We are a messed up lot. The human condition is literally degenerate. And what, what makes it worse is society, we don't really want to admit it. That's what makes it even worse is because, well, look, there's good in everyone. I mean, we just, we just should be kind to everybody. I mean, honestly, I think we're all inherently good. Isn't that crazy how narcissists make you feel bad about their abuse? Anybody dealt with a narcissist in your life? Make you feel bad because they're abusing you? Don't want to take responsibility for anything. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They, they don't want to uh, admit their faults. They come up with ways to excuse their offense and cause you to start rethinking your whole life strategy, thinking like, am I crazy? Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Humanity is narcissistic. Can I just submit that to y'all right now? Humanity is narcissistic because we insist we're not as bad as we are constantly. We insist that everybody else is worse than we are. It's easy for me to cancel R. Kelly because I ain't done what R. Kelly has done. But you peel back the layers of my life, I've got my own sin. I've got my own brokenness. We're narcissistic because now we try to make God feel bad about the way he created this world and, and the order that he's created it in because, uh, honestly, uh, if God really loved me, he would get my situation. If God really is love, then he really wouldn't want me to not be happy. Narcissistic statements. If God really was love, then what I'm doing right now, he's going to give me a pass. Because at the end of the day, God is love and he knows my heart. Narcissistic statements. 
And then we start saying, well, you know, God's word, it's, it's kind of antiquated. It's, it was written back in the day. It's, it doesn't really have major relevance to us right now. And, and these uh, things that are in this word, no, they need to be adjusted because we're living in the 21st century. And if we're going to be enlightened and if we're going to be better, then we're going to have to really tell God about himself and God and say, hey, thank you for this, but this is not for us. We're narcissistic. We cancel people, we cancel culture. And so Paul, the writer of the book of Romans, as he's writing to the Roman believers, if you want to follow along in Romans chapter 7, we're going to begin in verse 14. Don't go to to that screen yet because I'm going to give a little bit of background. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things you will ever read is Romans 1 through 8. If you ever want to do like a dope study on the all-sufficiency of Christ, the finished work of Christ, the personal work of Jesus Christ, I would encourage y'all to study Romans 1 through 8. In fact, uh, as part of Relevant Leadership College, uh, even Lewis's class, they did a whole book called The Finished Work of Christ by Francis Schaeffer that literally just dug through the first eight chapters of Romans, because it's so rich. It's so rich. In chapter 5 and 6, Paul, the writer, this prolific writer who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he begins to teach the Roman believers how to be free from sin. And he says, hey, listen, uh, you guys have been saved now, so you guys need to walk away from the lifestyle that you lived in. Uh, Here goes some principles. Here goes some uh, ways that you can walk away from this sinful lifestyle. He teaches them that sin's power is broken in Jesus. That sin no longer has a stronghold on your entire being because of the power of Jesus Christ in your life. He tells them, he says, listen, stop letting sin control you. Stop allowing sin to have its way in your life. He's a preacher. He's a teacher of the gospel. He loves the church. He loves Jesus. He loves people, and he wants to equip them much much like me as a pastor, wants to preach messages that, that equip your life and transform your life and lead you into the fullness and wholeness that the, that the Lord has given to you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he tells them, whatever you give your life to, you become a slave to. Ooh, that'll preach. Can build an entire message off of that. Whatever you give your life to, you will become a slave to. Literally, it'll begin to control your life. It'll begin to take hold of your life, and your life will begin to be shaped around it rather than shaping your life around Jesus Christ, him crucified, and him living in and through you. And Francis Schaeffer in The Finished Work of Christ says this. This is what Paul teaches him. The consequence of sin is the debased mind. It says this in in Romans 5 or 5 or 6, one of the two. Just go read it for yourself. I want to encourage you to go read that. This is what he says. He says, because of their sin, he gave them up to a debased mind. I need y'all to catch that. 
because of their sin, their mind became degenerate. Sin is an act. Degeneration is a being. Are y'all following me? Because they chose to act in sin, they became all the more sinful. So this is Paul. This is what he's teaching them. But in chapter 7, he gives them some reasons of why sin persists. Why we keep dropping the ball. Why the Roman believers are seeing this constant nagging condition of humanity where their mind is telling them no, but their body, their actions are telling them yes. And he tells them something that is, that it just like, it literally hit me. It blew my mind, blew my mind. So, he tells them that because of the law that came through Moses in the Ten Commandments, sin grew. I know, Deborah. I said the same. When I was reading it, I said, wait, did this, did he just? He said, when the Ten Commandments came, it actually exacerbated sin. See, this is a situation. God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates a beautiful garden. He puts man in that garden and says, listen, you are going to tend this. You've got access to everything in here. You've got access to me. The Bible says Adam and Eve walked with God. They talked with God. God walked in the cool of the day, meeting his amazing creation, the golden crown of creation, other writers have said. Adam and Eve had 100% full-on access to God where they could have conversations with him, where they could see him, where they could experience him. And God says, I've given you everything, this entire world, this entire earth, all these animals, all these trees, all these lands. Subdue them. Take ground. Conquer. Lead. This is your kingdom now. This is your dominion. Just stay away from that one tree. You can have it all except for that one tree. You can have everything. You can have your cake and eat it too. Just not that one sprinkle on the cake. Pull it off. And as humanity, as humanity, when I tell my son, you can touch everything over there, just don't click that button. What is he going to do? Huh? Beep! Sorry, Dad! Adam sins. He turns his back on God. Now a new nature is born in man, and it spreads to everyone. We're going to have some conversations with Adam and Eve when we get to heaven, aren't we? He'll be like, hey, why? why are you here? You started it. How'd you get in? This is an interesting thing. I want y'all to catch this. God told Adam in the garden, 
If you stand in opposition of me, meaning if you go eat of this tree, you will surely die. Do you know what this never said? It just, it literally hit me at 34,000 feet in the air flying between LAX and Dallas, DFW. It literally sprung off the pages. Do you realize that God never said, eat of this tree and I will surely kill you? He says, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Not, I will kill you. The wages of sin is death. Doesn't ha- God doesn't have to punish anybody. You've just punished yourself. So we sit there and say, like, well, you know, I can't serve a God who's going to kill me in the end. No, actually, you killed yourself. God never said he was going to kill you. He just says, if you do this, you're going to die. He said nothing about I will kill you. He says, if you sin, you are creating your own death. That's big. I think you think a little deeper when you're at 34,000 feet. That light air, you know what I'm saying? It's feeling good. <laughs> I need to write more messages in the, in the, in the sky. So man gets worse and worse and worse, and they don't understand what they're doing. They don't even understand that what they're doing is sinful, and, and they're just dying, and the, the, the lifespan of man is getting lower and lower and lower, and they're trying to figure out, why are we all dying? Why is our lives so messed up? And so what does God do? He calls Moses, a new savior, to show up, and he says, listen, I'm going to give them the law. What is the law going to do? The law is going to do two things. Number one, it's going to help people recognize what sin is, and then two, it's going to help them recognize that even if you've got all the rules, principles, ideas, goals, objectives, and map to stop sinning, you can't do it by yourself. So God gives them the law because now they can recognize, oh, this is why we're dying. This is why humanity is messed up. We're actually fully in opposition to what God has for us. Are you guys following me? Is this, is this good? Is this the students, is, are y'all following? Good? Okay, if I, if, listen, go like this if you're not following. You're not following? Straight up, Allison? Okay, thank you. Dang, it's always got to be one. I'm self-conscious. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> it's the sin in me. So God provides us law for two reasons, to help people recognize what sin was and that so, so that people can understand that in themselves they can fix that sin. But the crazy thing happens when the law shows up. Like I said, people sin more. The law shows up, and it doesn't stop people from sinning. In fact, it got causes them to go deeper in their sin. Because when sin is measured, it increases. Y'all gonna catch that at lunch. When sin is measured, it increases. Because have you ever pointed out somebody's sin and it causes them to just stop talking to you, but yet they keep sinning? 
Oftentimes, when we call people sin out, all they do is begin to hide it. I know I hit it. I know 90% of y'all in here probably hiding it. When you point out people's sin, oftentimes it just becomes hidden. And honestly, this is something my wife and I and, and me and Pastor Taylor have been processing a lot lately. Just about how the church has dealt with sin and how the church has dealt with calling sin out. And something that I I recognize, y'all, and this is going to come as a pretty shocking statement for a lot of people in here. As a church, I mean globally, and we are a contributor to it as well too, Relevant Church, and me as a pastor are definitely a contributor to it. We have created as many sinners as we've created saints. Because this is what happened. We love to point out people's sins. We love to point out what they're doing wrong. We love to tell them about themselves and tell them how that's against God's law and tell them about how they're going to go to hell and tell them about how that's wrong and tell them how that's not good enough. And you know what ends up happening? They end up digging their heels in and now becoming rebellious and, and retaliate and they get deeper, more grounded in their sin or they shell up and they begin to hide it and they show up to church and say, hey, happy Sunday. Oh, it was a good Sunday. And they go right back into their sin. But never actually experienced transformation because all we saw was the sin. And the result becomes worse than the former. Now, I know know all the religious people in here got a question for me. I'm going to take a drink of water before I answer you. I know what's going through your head. I can see the wheels turning. So is it wrong for us to call out sin? Absolutely not. It's not wrong. In fact... This is not on the screen, but I put it in my notes because I wanted to read this to you. This is Paul in Romans chapter 17. This is what he says. Sin took advantage of those commandments and deceived me. It used the commandments to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. I know know what you're going to say next. But how can that be? Even Paul knew that you were going to say that because he wrote it. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commandments for its own evil purposes. Humanity is jacked up. The sin in our lives.
lives is jacked up that it uses the law to literally condemn us to dig us deeper into more sin. Y'all tracking with me for real? Because that's what's happening in all of us. This is what's happening in you. This is what's happening in me. That's what's happening in all of us. That's a human condition. That's the power of sin in our lives. My mind is telling me no, but my body, the sin inside of me, is telling me yes. So how does this all play out? All right, we get into verse 14 now. Verse 14, he answers the question. He says, verse 14, Are you sure that's verse 14? Anyway, I'm just going to read it here. So, oh, I know what I did. I gave you all the ESV. I'm reading an NLT. Sorry. Anybody who's got the Bible app on your phone, open up the NLT version, because that's where I'm in. We usually preach in ESV, but I felt like the NLT just explained this so, so good. He says, so the trouble is not with the law. Everybody says, it's not with the law. For it's spiritual and good. The law, the Ten Commandments, God's word is spiritual and it's really good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. First lesson, if you want to take notes, the problem is with me. Everybody say it all together right now, one time. The trouble is with me. Hold on, y'all said it like y'all didn't believe it. Y'all trying to be all super narcissistic right now. Come on. The trouble is with me. All right, we're going to say it one more time. We're going to point to ourselves so that we can actually get this issue right now. Three, two, one. The trouble is with me. It's not with R. Kelly. It's not with Joe Biden. It's not with Bernie Madoff. It's not with your boss. It's not with your unruly kids. It's not with your spouse who you can't stand 90% of the time. The trouble is with me. And then he goes on in verse 15. It says, I don't really understand myself. I don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I wish I had a seat so I could sit down and let us ponder on that statement. Anybody feel Paul right now? Thank you, Dustin, for being honest. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Love you. Got your name. You're awesome. Yes, you. Tay Tay! Oh, my gosh. I am not a loser. Don't give me the L. (laughs) This is what he says, y'all. This is what he says. He says, I don't really understand myself or I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Paul has just recognized The problem is with me. 
It's not with God's law. It's not with the preacher who told me something that I didn't want to hear. It's not with the other people who are sinning on the outside of the church. The problem is with me because I don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Have you ever literally recognized like, man, I'm foolish-ish? <laughs> Caught myself. Have you, have you ever just been like, man, you know what? Listen, I was talking to somebody. I was talking to a friend of mine, and we're sitting in the car. He was like, Mutai, let me just be real with you. I'm foolish. I said, straight up? I said, me too? He said, you feel that way too? I said, bro. Because the good I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. I'm full of it. Man, one day y'all going to let me cuss for real in church. Because I know like 95% of y'all cuss when y'all not in church. And then y'all sit there and judge me like, hey, you cuss. Narcissist. I'm not going to care. <laughs> And then this is what he says in verse 17. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Doesn't it seem like he doesn't want to take ownership? It's interesting. Our humanity doesn't want to take ownership even in the admittance of our fault. I mean, I'm not perfect, but... Well, I mean, I'm not to say, like, I do everything correct, but the but just negated everything you just said. I mean, like, listen, I don't bat a thousand all the time, but we always want to blame somebody else. We always want to put it on somebody else. The reason for my dysfunction is because of the way I was raised. The reason for my dysfunction is because of the relationship I was in before. The reason for my dysfunction is because of the way people treated me. The reason why I do this is because of somebody else. The reason is because, the reason is because we always have a because when the trouble is with me. The trouble is with me. Verse 18, we go on. Paul says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. You guys can go ahead and give them the text in ESV. They'll, they'll translate it in their brain. Holy Spirit going to do his thing just so that they can follow along if they don't have the text. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can I tell y'all something real quick? Let's, let's, just, let's just clear the air. Bad people are not incapable of doing good. I guarantee you Hitler did some good things in his life. Guaranteed. I know one of them. Hitler actually had a little best friend. 
it was a little Jewish girl. Isn't that crazy? He saw her and her mother in a really bad state, and for some reason, his heart just knit to this family. Publicly on the screen, he was like, Jews are the degenerates of life. They should go to hell. They should be burned. We've got all these concentration camps, but do not touch this family. And his generals used to come to him and says, uh, Hitler, you're contradicting yourself. Literally, your photographer is taking pictures of you with a Jewish kid, but yet you're out here killing Jewish people. And he says, I don't care. There is something beautiful. There is something good. There is something righteous about this kid. I love her. I love her mother. And I, you don't have to take a picture of us ever again, but I will always protect them. Bad people are not incapable of doing good. Now, let me flip it on you. Good people, kind people, faithful people, generous people, God-fearing people, God-loving people, God-honoring people, prayerful people, Worshipful people are not incapable of doing bad. Good people are not incapable of doing bad. Can I tell you, this is life on this side of heaven. This is going to be the conundrum of the ages. Bad people are not incapable of doing good. Good people are not incapable of doing bad. He says, I know that nothing good lives inside of me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anyone who's ever wrestled with anything in your life understands exactly what Paul is saying right here. Anyone who's ever wrestled with addictions knows exactly what Paul is saying right here. Anyone who's ever breathed on this earth knows exactly what Paul is saying right here. We all fight this battle. Listen, if you've been a kid at some point when your mama told you not to touch the cookies in the cookie jar, you know what Paul is saying here. I know I shouldn't do this, and I'm going to get a spanking. Because we used to spank back in the day. I don't know what y'all do these days. That's why y'all kids so bad. But um, I'm going to get it. Oh, but it feels so good. It tastes so good. Crumbs all over the face. Did you put your hand in the cookie jar? No. Then why is there chocolate on your fingers? I don't know how it got there. Did you eat a cookie? No. Then why is cookies on your face? I don't know. I just, it was so good. I was like, I was like, it was so good. Can we be real? That is life. That is life. But I want you to see this. I really want you to catch this. Paul is an apostle. Paul saw Jesus, spoke with Jesus, was called out by Jesus. Paul was a religious thug, 
Thugs can be religious too. It ain't just the people on the streets you see on TV who they try to point to as thugs. Some of the biggest thugs walk around in churches holding their Bibles, talking about praise the Lord. Paul used to be a religious thug. He used to kill Christians. He used to uh, watch over Christians' death. He, he hated the church. He hated Jesus. He hated everything to do with faith. Jesus meets him while he's on the road to go do more damage to the Christian church. Jesus knocks him off of his high horse, literally blinds him, and says, Paul, what are you doing? He says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus who you've been persecuting. Because can I tell you, when you come against the church, you ain't coming just against a building. You're coming against Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm going to just tell y'all just like that. Talk about other churches and ministries all you want to. All you're doing is coming against Jesus. Jesus redeems him, calls him out, cleans him up, says, I want you to go for me. You're going to be a herald for me. You're going to be a preacher for me. You're going to go plant churches. People are going to get saved. People's lives are going to be transformed. They're going to write about you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to preach the theology that you're going to develop. But can I tell you, you would think that in itself would have been like, I'm going to walk with the Lord all of my life. Yet Paul is like, I want to do good, but I keep doing bad. So can you give yourself a break? No, no, like real talk. When you make a mistake, can you give yourself a break? When you fall short, can you give yourself a break? I literally had somebody send me a message this week. Sad that they didn't come to church. Broken inside. I chose this over church. I am the worst person ever. I'm like, bro, give yourself a break. Paul did worse than you did. And he was an apostle. He was a preacher. (laughs) Bro, give yourself a break. I'm the pastor of the church, and I am sinful. I know what goes on in my mind. I know if it's not for the grace of Christ, where would I be? So give yourself a break. This is the second lesson you can take away. My faults don't negate my faith. Y'all be beating yourselves up. I don't know if I'm a Christian anymore. I don't know if I'm good enough anymore. Listen, your faults do not negate your faith. Good people are not incapable of doing bad. You're just human. It's the condition that you're in. We're going to have a conversation with Adam and Eve. All of us. Relevant church. We're just going to roll up on them. We got beef, Adam. I know we're not supposed to have beef in heaven. We got holy beef. Spiritual beef. We can't hold grudges, but I'm not holding a grudge. I'm laying it down right there. I'm pointing you to it. I just feel like I need to say today, can you just give yourself a break? You're not perfect. And that's okay. Receive it. Just just take a deep breath right now and just hear those words. You're not perfect. It's okay. Give yourself a break. 
He says this in verse 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Whenever scripture repeats itself, it's a reason to look at what we're reading. The first thing he said, he says, listen, so I'm not the one doing wrong. Verse 17, it is sin living in me that does it. Oh, Paul, be full of yourself. You're the one doing it, dummy. Then he goes back. Verse 19, 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is a sin living in me that does it. What do you, okay, God, because you know God wrote the Bible through Paul, right? He just used his pen and his hands. This is God trying to send a message to us. It is not me doing wrong, but it is the sin living in me. What's that trying to tell us? Look at verse 21. He says, I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably, I inevitably do what is wrong. I have discovered this principle. When I want to do right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not y'all. Because I've, I've discovered this principle. I don't know about you guys. Y'all might be saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled at Relevant Church. But your pastor... I've discovered this principle of my life. When I want to do right, I inevitably do wrong. I've discovered this principle. I don't know if you've ever discovered this principle yourself. He says, but I have found this principle. In the ESV, it actually says, I've discovered this law. See, this principle, if you translate it in the Greek, it's law. Let me tell you the difference between a simple principle, and a law. I'll give you this in American law. There's a difference between an act and a law. An act is something that needs to be revisited every 60 years. Can I give you a history lesson? Did you know that in the 2000s, the right for black people to vote came up for a vote again? history lesson, because when it was instituted, it was an act, not a law. So when Obama came in, he was like, nah, bruh, bruh, I'm the president. This is about to be a law. A law is concrete. It can't be changed unless you have to go through hoops and hurdles and all types of, I mean, the Supreme Court needs to decide whether it can be overturned. Only the Supreme Court can do that. An act can be overturned, but other parts of the government. So what Paul is saying here is saying, I've discovered this one concrete law that is unmovable, unchangeable in my life. When I want to do good, I inevitably do wrong. It is just what it is. This is my lot in life. This is the lot of humanity because it is a law, not just a simple act that is 
Uh, let's revisit this later. I want y'all to track with me here. He says, this is a foundational truth. He says, I love God's law. What does God say about his law? It is unchangeable. He uses the very same word that he talks about this principle, law, with God's law, which also can't be changed. He says, I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power with me that is at war in my mind. Go back to the word power. I don't know, sometimes when they translate these, these, these words, they try to make it easy for us to grasp, but it's the same exact word, law. Power is law, he says, but there's another law that is within me. There's another concrete thing that is in my life. There is something that has been unchangeable that I've been asking God to remove in my life that just is stuck within me that is at war with my mind. This law makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. It's stuck. It's a law. It is grounded. It's a foundational truth. Oh, now I get it. So I'm not the one doing the wrong. It is the sin living in me. There's this law that is stuck because of the consequences of Adam's sin, the nature that has been re reborn in humanity that has been stuck over the years, that is passed down from generation to generation, has now become so foundational to the fabric of our being. It's in our DNA. It's unchangeable like your gender. Um, going back here. Um, sorry, Holy Spirit, was that not you? That was me? Okay, sorry. Oh, it was you? Okay, cool. Does it ever feel like war in your life? Does the struggles and the sins and the burdens that you carry ever feel like war in your life? Have you ever been like, what is going on inside of me? I want to do better. I don't want to cuss them out, but as soon as they get in my face, it just comes out. I'm like, I don't know what happened. It just came out. Have you ever been like, man, what the heck is going on in my life? He says, oh, what miserable person I am. This law that has taken hold of my life has caused me to not be the person I want to be, but constantly be the person that I don't want to be. Does it ever feel like a war in your life? You ever feel like you're fighting against yourself? Have you ever gone to bed like I failed again? I worried again. I lost my temper again. I lied again. I doped up, drunk up again. I slept with them again. I keep doing it again and again and again. God, what is happening inside of me? Why do I keep falling? Why do I keep going below your standard? You ever looked in the mirror and just said, I hate you. I hate what you do. Why can't you just get it together? 
You keep doing this over and over. You say that you're a Christian. You say that you're a believer. You say that you love God. You say that you love the word of God. I read the Bible. I pray. I go to church. I tithe. I give. Why is this war still happening inside of me? What I want to do that's good, I don't do. And it's the things that I don't want to do that I keep finding myself doing. How do I escape? What miserable person I am. I don't know R. Kelly. I've seen him from a distance, never encountered him. As debased as his actions are, I wonder if R. Kelly looks at himself in the mirror in the cell and say, how did this happen? You had everything. You released a gospel album for God's sake. You let people know about your struggles on the album for God's sake. How did you end up here? Oh, what miserable man that I am. What miserable woman that I am. What miserable youth that I am. What miserable person that I am. I just can't seem to get it together. How do I escape? Where's my freedom? Oh, what miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Romans 8, 1, the verse immediately after. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is Jesus. Jesus is my freedom. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my rescue. It is Jesus. Point number three. My fight is not my own. My fight is not my own. Yeah. Yup. That thing that you're dealing with, that sin that nobody else knows about, how you keep dropping the ball there. Yup. My fight is not my own. My fight is not my own. Who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for Jesus. Your fight is not your own. Your fight is not thy own. That, that, that thing that you keep tripping up about, the thing that you know that you shouldn't be doing but you you do but you've been hiding because church has made you feel so bad about it that you don't really ever want to tell people what's going on in your life can I tell you can we stop that can we create a space where authenticity isn't the only requirement where people can walk in and say yep I just did this last night yep I'm stuck in this sin yep I'm here and we're going to say welcome home because we're all jacked up anyway this is a place of transformation not condemnation You never, ever have to worry about what you got going on in your life because Relevant Church is going to be a church that's going to love you, that's going to embrace you, that's going to walk alongside of you. Yeah, we're going to tell you what what the word of the Lord says, but it ain't us to be your Holy Spirit. All we're called to do is walk alongside you. People don't come to church because people can't know that when they go to church, they can't be real. 
I've had more real conversations sitting at a bar than in church. I've seen more life transformation happen. This is sad. Lewis knows this. Dustin knows this. Denver knows this. Jose knows this. We've seen more transformation happen in a space that was not in the church than we have ever seen happen in the church. God's church was created for transformation. All things have passed away. The new has become. But yet what happens is all things stay stuck. All things stay hidden. And the new is a facade. I'll be damned if this is the way the church keeps going. not pastor a church where people can't be authentically real in themselves. One, I will also not pastor a church that will leave people in their mess and be too afraid to let people know about the mess in their life. Why? Because the law is still good. It's still holy. But at the end of the day, it is never going to be used for condemnation. It's going to be used for embrace. It's going to be used as a reminder. Hey, remember the same law that points out your sin is the same law that points out my sin. We're two peas in a pod. We stuck here together. So we're going to do better together. We're going to be better together. closes the gap. Jesus closes the gap. There's a gap between my flesh, my carnal nature, that thing inside of me that wants to do its own way. There's a gap between my flesh and my faith. Anybody experience that? There's a gap between my brokenness and my healing. There's a gap between my weakness and my ability to overcome. That gap is called sin. we all have that gap. Scripture reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. It also says that there is no one good, no, not one. Yeah, you ain't good either. That person's worse than you. No, you're just as bad. Now you're just as bad as they are because you just condemned them. You just heaped condemnation back on yourself because the same measure you will use to judge, it'll be judged right back to you. The gap is sin. And we all have it. R. Kelly has it. Michael Jackson had it. Donald Trump definitely has it. I just made somebody mad. We all 
Jesus will heal in Kairos. Write that word down. It's a very important Greek word. In God's appointed time. That's why I love why Paul talked to the Philippian church. He says, I am sure of this, that the good work that God has begun in you, he will complete, because you can't complete it by yourself. There's a war inside of you. You're going to struggle all your life. But he will complete in the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I tell you, on this side of heaven, you won't be sinless. You may begin to sin less, but sin within you is still going to be there. You still might be a little judgy. You still might cuss somebody out every once in a while. I'm not giving you a pass. I'm just letting you know it's the same junk that causes everybody else to fall it lives inside of you but thanks be to God because Jesus Christ has gone to the cross and died for our sins he has redeemed us, he has restored us and we can walk in the newness of life so now I can say when I sin it is not me it is the sin living inside of me because me is pursuing Jesus me is loving God and me is a righteous man what does it say? a righteous man falls seven times but he gets what? he gets back up again so wherever you at in your life, just get back up again. If you fall tomorrow, just get back up again. If you fall next week, just get back up again. Because there's a righteousness that is inside of you, and it does not belong to you. Paul says, for it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live because of Jesus Christ who died for me and gave his life for me. They might be a war, but Jesus has beat, has beat, has demolished, has overcome the enemy. And at the right time, when I raised up with him in glory, I will be able to walk and say, there is no longer a war. I won. I overcame. I am in. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, Join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.